I'm Mitchell Vandenberg. And I'm David Scarlatescu. And welcome to Back to the Scene. A home for movie lovers that want to stay up to date on all things entertainment. Whether you're a super fan or a casual fan, we got you covered. We talk about a wide range of topics including film, TV shows, and all things relevant to movie pop culture. So sit back, grab some popcorn, because we're about to get Back to the Scene. Welcome to Back to the Scene, everyone. Another episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening or watching or whatever you're doing. Yep. And uh, Mitchell, got some pretty cool topics today. Let's jump straight into it. Yeah, so it was the Brazil Comic Con this week, so lots of trailers dropped. Brazil Comic Con. Yeah, it's been growing pretty pretty fast. Like, I mean, for me, it honestly seems like more trailers drop at that than D23, because we had three well, it came yeah. out yesterday. Yeah, and the big big the, ones. Not not really uh not really hard to beat this year's D23. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> I guess. I think the only thing that came out of it like well like I mean for trailer wise was Secret Invasion and the Werewolf by Night trailer. Have you seen Werewolf by Night yet by the way? No. I I did. It's actually quite good. Werewolf by Night? Yes. Okay. Interesting. There's a very good like stunt choreography sequence at the end. I was very impressed. It was All quite right. good. Have to take have to take a look at that one. Um, so we got, like you said, a ton of huge trailers uh, dropped in the past week. So why don't we kick it off with the first one? Cat Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three trailer. Of course, the big big news: Guardians of the Galaxy uh, starts off extremely strong. Uh, Drax throwing a ball at a little kid and showing that they do not come in peace. In fact, as Peter was saying, <laughs> it was a good way to kick it off um the biggest takeaway for me though was this one kind of has a different feel and vibe to it than i feel like the previous guardians movies which were mostly focused on comedy yeah this looks a little darker like it feels like you definitely feel like this is the end of the guardians chapter like james gunn has gone record saying that this is the last guardians movie that they'll do with this team yeah so people might die or just like have a happily end ever after kind of thing I think, we, I think we need some... I think someone's going to die. I was just going to say, I don't I, I don't want to say this like in a terrible way, but people need to die. Like we can't just, we can't just have it every does, honestly, Marvel character it, keep living on. It feels like Rocket might not make it. Just like the vibe I was getting with that trailer. That I feel like that's a good takeaway. And we're, we're even, we got teased and looked like little hints of a Rocket backstory. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. What do we think? Do we think Adam Warlock comes out and is like the main villain in this? No, or it's the high evolutionary. A, the high evolutionary. He was in the trailer. He's, he's the, um, have you seen Peacemaker? Uh, no, I saw him in Suicide Squad, but I've not seen the okay. Peacemaker. Because um, the high evolutionary, the guy who plays, I I forget his name, sorry. But he plays Mun in Peacemaker. He plays a high evolutionary. Uh, he's okay. like the guy in the trailer who's watching the girl run around in the circle thing. Okay. Um, so in the comics he's basically like a geneticist that like wants to like evolve humanity and like splices human genes and animal genes together. Um, I only know him from when I read the clone saga and saga and Spider-Man Spider-Man runs into him. And it was like this very long issue of just like a lot of word bubbles that I had to read. And I was very bored of reading it. It was like my <laughs> least favorite issue, but anyway, I forget what it, it was. The, I'm digressing just a bunch of non-important stuff, but cause I was like, I didn't click until like last night when I was talking about explaining the high evolutionary to Bradley He's like, yeah, he splices humans and animals. I'm like, Oh, that explains the beginning opening scene of like going down to that town. There's like those human animal hybrids. And oh. I'm almost certain the high evolutionary is like behind that some way, shape or form. 
Oh, okay. So then that goes into obviously the high evolutionary is probably who made Rocket the way that he is. Oh, that's also a very good point. I never so, thought that too, but that's probably a good hypothesis. Interesting. All right. Okay. So Rocket backstory, Adam Warlock's making some kind of appearance because he shows up. Also, Adam Warlock got jacked and pretty wild considering that I associate that actor with We're the Millers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird seeing him in this position, <laughs> but I'm open to it. I'm going to go in with an open mind. Um, but no, I think... I think the feel of this, obviously Gamora's in it, so we'll see her kind of reintroduced to the team. Maybe there's a happy ever after for her and Peter, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> if there's ever a happy ever after in Marvel. But um, yeah, I think I think Steve this got a happy ever after. Who did? Steve got a happy ever after. Happily ever after. Yeah, I guess you're right. Who else got happily? Let's talk about some happily ever afters in Marvel. I think Tony definitely did not get a happily ever after. No. Um... Well, he's the only one whose story is technically like done, done. Yeah. So I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Marvel. Tough times. It is not a. It is not a romantic movie. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So I think. I think that one's going to be pretty good. We've got. I hit all of my. All my. Uh, all my points on it for now, but. Okay. Yeah. Should be interesting to see. It's just a little teaser trailer. Just. Uh, yeah. Just it comes. It comes room. out in May. That's pretty so, soon, actually. Five months. I'm, I'm looking forward to that aggressively. Fifth, fourth, something like that. The thing is, like, it comes out like the Thursday before. So, like, in my mind, like, when I see the date, I'm like, oh, it's actually the day before is when we get to see it. Anyway, you know, and it's it's, it's cool. It's, it's cool that we got it so quick after the after the holiday special of the Guardians because you kind of get a a feel for the characters again, yeah. and then they hit you with this absolutely gut wrenching trailer <laughs> right now. So, oh, also that scene that just like. Have you ever seen Fire in the Sky? This came out in the 90s. But it's an alien abduction movie. No. I don't know. It's been kind of getting those vibes. Like there's that shot of like, the, like a, I don't know, some kind of s- scalpel of some kind. Like blood's dripping from it in the trailer. And then you see like Peter like screaming and there's that tube kind of going towards his stomach. Do you remember seeing that in the trailer? I, I must have missed that. I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So, and he's like, he's like, there's like spit coming his mouth. It's like screaming and stuff like that. This kind of reminds me of like the surgery scene in Fire of the Sky. This like, it's like, oh. So, so there's going to be some, there's going to be some creepy vibes in this, in this movie, I think. So if you are, uh, if you're expecting the classic Guardians kind of feel, it does not feel like this movie's going to, it'll have, well, like, yeah, I think like, it'll have like sprinkles of comedy end, so, yeah. and stuff like that. Of course it's going to have sprinkles of comedy, but there's definitely going to be a serious component to it. Um, okay. Next trailer. Um, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny. Does Harrison Ford ever like stop making these reboot movies because the man is ageless. Just keeps coming out of the blue. Also, women love old man Harrison Ford. So <laughs> he is, uh, he's bringing back Indiana Jones vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be honest, I have not seen uh, The Crystal Skull. Uh, I watched the other three growing up on VHS. Uh, yeah, VHS. 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 That's, 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 that's your. When you think of Indiana Jones, like the version in your head is the VHS version. It's VHS version, version, but I'll tell you this right now. When I think of Indiana Jones, 
my favorite of all time is Temple of Doom. And the weirdest thing, obviously, well, not the weirdest thing, obviously, if you've seen Temple of Doom, you were going to know the scene that comes to mind for me when I watch Temple of Doom. And it's like the weird heart scene where he's like, and he like pulls his heart out. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I think of when I think Indiana Jones. I just remember being like, so like intrigued, but also weirded out as a kid (laughs) watching it. Um, But the trailer looked really good. Has some uh, has some pretty interesting scenes. What did you notice in it? Um, well, it takes place in the late '60s. I think it's 1969. So it takes place. So does that mean he's like back in time, or what's going on with this? Well, the original Indiana Jones movies took place in like the '30s, '40s. Okay, that must not have clicked when I was younger. So <laughs> <laughs> he fights Nazis. <laughs> this is like his main adversary. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay, never mind. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay, so '60s. So 20 yeah. years later. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, the main villain, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's playing him. And uh, I believe he, like, they also released a bio or like a synopsis actually of what the film's about. Basically, uh, Mads Mikkelsen character was an ex Nazi that um, basically wants to fix his past mistakes. And him and Anna Jones are after the same artifact of some kind. Um, so whether that is Mads Mikkelsen trying to fix the history of, I don't know, his Nazis past regrets, or I don't know, maybe he is like full on, maybe I want to take this, I guess maybe I'm assuming it's the Dial of Destiny because that's what the name of the movie is, to get it to go back in time and make Nazis supreme. I don't know. But either way, it's kind of cool. And also the DH of Harrison Ford is kind of cool. So yeah. we get like flashbacks of like, I'm assuming what would be... um an adventure that Indiana Jones had like what, 20, 30 years ago, yeah. that would be relevant to the plot. No, that was, uh, that was cool. They threw little teasers into it too. I really, really liked the quote they had. Let me, let me pull it up. I wrote it down so I don't butcher it, but, uh, it's not what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. It gave me like big short vibes. If you remember the, um, uh, the quote from the big short, which it's not what you know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know that just ain't so. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gives me those vibes. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's how hard you believe something, even though maybe it might not be the real thing. Right. Yeah. So going to be, going to be interesting. Definitely go to this one. Um, maybe I'll have to do off, a little do you think they'll kill off indie? I don't know. I mean, their track record for bringing Harrison Ford back in movies and keeping him alive is really poor. Well, the only doubt is Han Solo once. So. What do you mean once? <laughs> well, this is the only one. He's not well, going to come back. But like, it's a small sample size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. What, what else have they brought him back for, though? Blade Runner? Did he die in Blade Runner? I didn't see Blade Runner 2049. I only seen the original Blade Runner. I really got to get on that. I'm pretty sure he died. In Blade Runner 2049? I'm not going to lie, Blade Runner 2049, I watched it with some friends, and I had not seen the original Blade Runner, so I was just fully, fully lost, and I don't remember a lot of the movie. He's going to look at, Mitchell's looking it up, yeah. if, if Harrison Ford dies. dies. Apologies if you know this already. Well, I'm sh- it's been out for, since what, like 2019, 2017. 2017. Yeah, it's been a while. So yeah. if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you probably don't care. Also, if you haven't seen the first one. Blade Runner 2049 was, it was spectacular as far as like the visuals go and everything and cool to see Ryan Gosling not. It doesn't look like it. looks like he lives. He lives? Well, in the last sentence it says that he like meets his daughter for the first time. So. Oh, okay. No, he, he, he survives. Maybe Ryan Gosling dies. I remember somebody dies. 
Somebody dies in it. But Ryan Gosling's like a robot in it, so. He is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry to spoil, but. Oh, I thought it was you. Anyway, doesn't matter. Not okay. important. Okay, we'll have to watch it again and, and bring honestly, it back. Honestly, <laughs> I guess I don't care because I had like five years to watch it. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen a movie for five years, you know it's not that important to you. <laughs> um, yeah, so do we think he, going back to the original question, do we think Indy dies? I'm going to lock in no. Okay. I don't want him to die. I just like happy endings. I'm going to lock in no, and I'll tell you why. But he's really old. Because they need to leave it open in case it does well for them to do another one. I think they said that this is definitely the last one, though. Isn't that what they said about the last one? I know, but Harrison Ford is like in his 80s. <laughs> you can't, it's hard to do an action movie. It's true. It's true. He, is he really in his 80s? I swear to God. Now he, I got to look this up. He must be like. He's got he looks easy. really good for 80 if he is in his 80s. He is 80, exactly. Wow. Harrison Ford, what are the secrets? Because that is wild. <laughs> Guy's like four times our age. <laughs> yep. Insane. So, next trailer. Super Mario? All right, fine. I know. Super I want to save the All right, one. okay. Super Mario. Super Mario. What do you th- Another Chris Pratt movie. Okay, so... I have one problem with both the trailers I've seen with Super Mario. Is it the I, voice? Yes. I don't think the accent is strong enough, and it's bothering me. Okay. I actually like the voice. <laughs> you like the voice? I like the voice. No, it's, 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 it's just like It's me. just a light tint of... I don't, it's hard to tell if he's like going like a slight Italian or a slight kind of like a New York-y accent. Like a Brooklyn Italian yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's I hard. Just like, I need a, like a little bigger sample size to determine... I mean, I'm not an expert in accents, but like... It's just slight, just because like I feel like if they just did like a whole movie with the original Mario voice that we're familiar with, we're not gonna be able to understand it. <laughs> Cause like he like That's he only true. talks in like a couple of like words. Like you never see like a cutscene in the Mario game where he goes on a whole like paragraph or sentence. That's true. It'd be hard to understand, I I feel. I mean, about the original act voice actor might be able to dial back, but I also feel just that voice doesn't really um do well, I think, with like a different like ranges of like dramatic and comedy and stuff like that i think it would just be really hard to do yeah and i mean they went so different i guess it's not that bad because they changed everyone's voice not just his i, I really like everyone's. i think charlie day fits very well as luigi yeah and i and i do like bowser i thought bowser was kind of like jack black yeah oh is that who it is that's jack black very cool. do you want me to run through the voice list yeah hit that hit the voice okay, list so first. chris pratt is mario yep Charlie Day, you know, from Whole Bosses is Luigi. Yep. Uh, Jack Black is Bowser. Uh, Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Ke- Keegan-Michael Key is Toad. Uh, Anna Taylor-Joy is Peach. Yep. Um, who else have we got? Uh, Kevin Michael Richardson is Kamek. Okay. Um, and then Fred Armisen is Cranky Kong. I think that's it. Oh, and I, oh, oh uh, actually, no. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He's a comedian. No. Anyway, he's the voice of uh, Spike, uh, Mario, and Luigi's boss. I have to say, where do you store all this information? If you're just listening and not watching, he has no phone out. He's just, like, pulled all of this out of his head. Okay. Incredible. You didn't just do the main characters like I thought you were. You just trickled a few, like, random ones in there as well. Um, oh, and the original voice actor for Mario and Luigi, Charles Marionette, has a cameo in the movie, but it's not announced what it is. That's hilarious. It definitely, looking at the trailer, just looking at my notes here too, 
I really, really like that they're going kind of full video game vibe. It looks like they're bringing back all the components of the video games we love mm-hmm. and grew up playing, especially, especially the Mario Kart with the Rainbow Road scene. Mm-hmm. Can't say how excited I was when that popped up. It was incredible. It was really cool to see. And I'm still playing. Like, I mean, I got a Switch, and I still play the new Super Mario Party and the the new Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and just drop new maps and everything. So it's it, it's really cool to kind of see all of those components from the video game come to life on the screen and I, in a way that I think is going to be successful this time. Yeah, I I really like the trailers. One thing that is... I guess it's more the direction of the movie because the movie is called the Super Mario Bros. movie. Yeah. I feel like it should be focused on like a little bit more on the Mario Luigi dynamic because it looks like in the trailer when Mario They're Luigi gets on Mario. Well, I mean, Mario is the protagonist, obviously. So the focus should be on Mario, but like a little more focus on the brother relationship. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, so who knows? But it looks like Luigi gets like kidnapped by Bowser immediately and is trapped there the entire movie. <laughs> Where it's like the Super Mario Brothers, right? They should be together. Working together and a brother brotherly relationship that I feel it would work well, but who knows? That's what it's I kind of trailer. Feel. Yeah, so you're totally right. We'll wait and see what happens. Also, it's a good thing with they with Peach too, because yeah. Peach is just like always gets kidnapped by Bowser every time, and I don't really think that would fly today for the plot. <laughs> also, like, interesting what's the, point. What is the purpose? Super Mario Bros. <laughs> goes woke, <laughs> but what's the what's the in the games like? What's I haven't played any of the newer ones, but like, what's the purpose of just kidnapping the princess so many times? I don't know. Like, I, I, honest, honest, I, I know he's trying played... to control the Mushroom Kingdom, and she isn't the ruler, right? But oh, this wait, one she's is... a princess, so isn't? Wouldn't she be the queen, or is there a king? There's a. There's got to be a king. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to lie queen. to you. I haven't really played some of the older games. Like all I play is like Mario Party and Mario Kart, and oh. he ain't kidnapping Peach in any of those ones, right? So I guess. But it seems like from the trailer that he's trying to like, yeah, rule the kingdom. So I guess he's trying to take down. I remember the first trailer that got dropped. We saw it when we went to see Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Mm-hmm. That one it very clearly shows he's like roaming up to a kingdom and just taking over immediately. Yeah. So I think he's just doing that with every kingdom yeah, in the yeah. Super Mario Bros. Yeah, yeah. World. in this movie. It also looks like he's after the star as like the ultimate source of power. Yes, I would imagine that is the that is the ultimate source of power. So no, I think it'll be cool and cannot wait to see li- well, kind of live act, not really live action, you got but it. like live on screen Mario, Mario Kart in cinematic. Uh, I was gonna say you gotta watch the original nineteen ninety three Super Mario Brothers movie, David. Is it live action? Oh, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Bob Hoskins. Have you seen Hook? Like the Robin Williams Hook? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, Sam, um, is his name Sam? Uh, Smee. Smee. The Hook's like right-hand man. Yeah. He's Mario. Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe they tried to make a live action. And then Luigi okay. is John Leguizamo. Have okay. you seen Ice Age, Sid the Sloth? He's, I've seen Ice Age, um, obviously. John Wick. Have you seen John Wick? Yeah. Um, the, uh, I forget who John Lizzo, like the character name, but like in the shop, he's like, he's John Wick's buddy at the car shop. Okay. That's Luigi. And then have you seen the movie Speed with Keanu Reeves? No. Dennis Hopper. Do you know who Dennis Hopper is? He yeah. plays King Koopa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well. Or Bowser. They call him And, and, and if you had to rate the original 1990. 10 out of 10. No, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> out of 10. The thing is, I actually kind of like, I saw that movie when I was a little kid. So there's a special spot in my heart, but everyone hates it. It's, Everyone hates that movie. Like, okay. dude, you have no idea. Like, Nintendo <laughs> refused to, like, adapt any of their properties because of how 
bad south this movie was critically like destroyed so and it came out like the week after jurassic park or the week before from that perspective from that perspective (laughs) does it deserve all the hate that it gets I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it's okay, an interesting you, watch. You it's an interesting. Watch. You decide I, I if you're watching it. or listening right they got now. It, they, I love the soundtrack. They play like "Walk the Dinosaur," uh, and um, there's a movie. Or, no, sorry, movie song by Roxette. Almost real, unreal. Uh, it's very catchy. I really. It, it's. It's honestly like peak childhood nostalgia for me. All right. Even though it's like totally not my generation. <laughs> it was an old movie when I watched it. Fair enough. Yeah, 93, I guess, right? Yeah. That was a few years old. Okay. Uh, Moving on. The trailer that, even with Guardians, I have to say I got most excited for. Uh, Transformers. Rise of the Beasts. Rise of the Beasts. That was a good trailer. That was a a very good good trailer. trailer. Like, honestly, like, there's so many great shots in it, too. Like... The scene, like the ending shot of like him stepping out of Mirage and as he's transforming just looks incredible. I'm just, I'm really liking the new look they gave Optimus Prime. Oh yeah, the old G1 I wasn't style. sure if I was going to, but boy do I ever like it. That old school cartoony vibe, Optimus Prime, is it ever good. And the, the Porsche scene on the bridge where he like half transforms just so he can turn the car around. Fun just... fact, do you know who's voicing that transformer? The Porsche? Yeah, Mirage is the character's name. Mirage, okay. I guess it makes sense because of the yep. clone duplicate Mirages. Yep. But uh, Pete Davidson is voicing Mirage. Pete Davidson? Yeah. Really? What can that guy not do? <laughs> oh my goodness, Pete exactly. Davidson. Exactly, great choice of words. Wow. Impressive. Well, honestly, got really giddy watching this. It was very, uh, very nostalgic as a as a huge Transformer lover growing up with the the, the video games, the movies. Just obsessed. Going to the oh, movies yeah. and watching Transformers, Michael Bay's, oh, and the Lincoln Park soundtracks. Just oh, yeah. everything down. All of them have great soundtracks. So good. I wonder who they're going to get to, because, well, this is because it's the second one in the reboot, because it takes place in the same universe as Bumblebee, and Bumblebee was a reboot. Right, right. Um, Haley Steinfeld did the song for that one. I wonder who they're going to, if they're going to have a... They they have to have a, it's Transformers, they have to have an Unreal soundtrack. It's just not going to, it's not going to work if it isn't. I mean, and, and if we don't have... If we don't have a motivational speech from Optimus, Optimus Prime <laughs> to a dope soundtrack, I mean, I don't know. It has to be in there. Uh, yes. All of the Optimus Prime speeches are great. Even though it's not a speech, what is a love? I think it's in, Re- it's in Revenge of the Fallen where um, one of the, I don't know, government guys is just like hypothesizing why the Decepticons are still on Earth and they're just like the only reason is because they're hunting you Autobots leave we don't want you here and he's like Optimus just gets up right into this guy's face and says okay you tell your presidents if you want us to leave we'll leave and you know what if we go and what if you're wrong I'm not doing it right but the quote is just like this how he says what if you're wrong it's, it's just, just how he does it. It's just his dialogue is so, so good. good. It's chilling. I, it's yeah, chilling. I wish I knew the exact quote in my head, but just like it's. I whenever I watch that scene, I always get like goosebumps. I'm like, oh, yeah. Plus, like, I can't like imagine Optimus Prime without Peter Cullen doing the voice because he's. I the, know. Yeah, he's he's just become that character. Mm-hmm. It, it, I wonder, you think Optimus Prime, you think yeah, the voice, and it's there. 
And then Rom Perlman is voicing Optimus Primal and Beast Res the Beasts. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. The gorilla guy. The gorilla guy. <laughs> so this is actually a good time to segue into rating in order our top Transformers movies, excluding like Bumblebee and all the okay. other stuff. Just just the, the Transformers. The, the, one the, to five. The one to five. Okay. Here we go. Hit it. Like just all, I'm just going just gonna to say all five in a row. Um, number... Should I go five to one or one to five? Let's go five to one. <laughs> okay. Um, number five, Transformers Age of Extinction, the fourth one. Okay. Um, and then number four would be number five. It's <laughs> confusing. Okay. Number four would be Transformers Last Night, which is the fifth one. Why? What What other? makes that one above the other one? Just out of curiosity. Both I Mark like, Wahlberg, both kind of the new revamped style. Uh, I like Bumblebee's arc in that one. Right. And I like that Bumblebee speaks. Uh, that's a weird reason to put that movie above. <laughs> I don't know. I just, Bumblebee's my favorite Transformer. And it just kind of like, I kind of got tired of him just making the beeps and the noises. Yeah. And I kind of like, it's about time he finally got his voice fixed. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Why did it take till the fifth movie? Well, they finally found the little part for him to. Yeah, I know. In. But you th- and I like, you think they've I like Bumblebee fighting Nemesis Prime or whatever was great. Yep. Um, even though it's such a small segment of the movie. Yeah, but still, I don't know. I like when I like the final battle, and I thought there was a cool reveal that um, the Earth was Unicron the whole time. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Okay, moving on. Um, the number three would be the first Transformers movie. Really, I know. Interesting. <laughs> it's, that's most people's favorite, actually. Most of it, which yeah, um, people that honestly hate the Transformers movies, which is a lot of people, they say the first one's the best one, but I put it at number three. <laughs> I feel like I feel like when we rate Transformers, though, like the five movies, it's in two separate parts. You have Age of, Extin- <laughs> Age of Extinction and uh, The Last Night, and then you have the original trilogy. The original trilogy because they're just so. They're all directed different. by Michael Bay, though. They are, they are, but they're, they've just got a different, different feel, vibe. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It feels like they're more like concluded, like rap story. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Number and two. then number two would be Revenge of the Fallen. Revenge of the Fallen. And then number one that obviously makes the Dark of the Moon number one. Dark of the Moon number one. Why? Oh, just the, oh, the whole movie, David. <laughs> of all the Battle of Chicago, I love the story of. Sam's journey on like everyone keeps telling him like you know even though he's this huge important part of saving the world in the first movies he's really just the messenger so it's him kind of coming to his own and uh, learning to try helping save the day without the Autobots for a little bit section of the movie Um, and honestly I just felt like I was on the edge of my seat like throughout yep well said it was very good Good one. And I love the comedy, even though it's incredibly dark at some points. It is. It really is. Like, okay. literally, a guy jumps out the window, and I think he committed suicide, and they're taking pictures of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really dark. It was a tough time. It was a tough well, he, time. Was, he wasn't he didn't kill himself. He got thrown out the window by yeah. a Decepticon. Well. He was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Mine's similar but different. So, I've got The Last Night in fifth place. Yeah. I have, I just thought it was, I guess to explain myself a little bit, I just thought there was just so much going on. (laughs) There's a lot. Just too much happening at all times. Again, 
At the end of the day, I'm not going to complain about a Transformers movie. I did sit through it and I enjoyed it. Still a 10 out of a 10, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I have Age of Extinction, number four. I thought it was, I thought it was unique. And I think, I think they did an interesting, an interesting spin on kind of trying to reboot the franchise without rebooting it. Yeah. Without rebooting it. And, um, there was also that recent, like, huge revelation about Age of Extinction. It was, um, it was that, like, the government killed off all the Autobots. And that's why Optimus Prime and Bumblebee were, like, the only ones left. Mm-hmm. It was, like, recently went public on, like, or not public, but it came to everyone's eye in, on, well, like, TikTok and stuff. Well, like, I mean, in the plot movie it's, it's was, an like, assumption, the, the, It's an assumption yeah. more than Because, like, they killed, they killed Ratchet the very beginning of Age of Extinction, which I know my brother, by the way, is a massive Transformers fan. Like, huge massive. You, like, you just seen, like, our bedroom growing up, like, under his bed, he has this whole, like, crate of, like, every single Transformers toy there is. <laughs> Still has them. They're hidden away. <laughs> if you just told everyone the hiding space. Well, <laughs> I think some of it's in his closet, some of it's under his bed. I know, like, anyway, I'm not getting way too much into it. Anyway, um, and, like, the, the, the toys from the movies and the shows, too. Yeah. Like, so, like, it was, like, both versions of the same characters from different mediums. Wow. Super fan. Yeah, massive. So anyways, he loves Ratchet? Yeah, he loves Ratchet. It's just like, actually, his favorite character is Ironhide, and he died in Dark of the Moon. And then Ratchet was the second favorite character, and then he died immediately in it, the opening scene of Age of Extinction. So he was very disappointed. Yeah, and there's like that moment, there's that moment where Optimus Prime like tells the Autobots to run almost, I believe is what it was. But yeah, also though too though, because like a lot of the times when Transformers die in the movies, like remember when Jazz died in the first one, he got ripped in half? Yeah. Optimus is like, Oh, jazz. Whereas, like, when Ratchet died in Days of Extinction, at least Optimus Prime, when he saw Ratchet's head in the Symmetry Wind base when they infiltrate, he's like, Ratchet! And he, like, loosely loses his crap. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's your friends that die. You'd think you'd give a little more of a... <laughs> yeah, but Jazz Jazz died in war. I guess. Ratchet... Was murdered by humans. Yeah. So I think that I think that's a bit of the difference. Yeah. And, like, Jazz tried to take on Megatron. That's So that's point. probably why Optimus Prime was like... <laughs> Yo, Ratchet, or sorry, not Ratchet, yo, Jazz, like, I mean, you, you kind of got what was coming because <laughs> you thought you could take on Megatron. <laughs> it was it was more of a, oh, Jazz, you thought you were bigger than you were kind of thing, right? I guess. But anyway, so Age of Extinction, I like the I liked the way they, they made that movie out. I thought it was good. And the, the whole scene in Hong Kong in the end, I thought added a nice little tie at the end of it and everything. Mm-hmm. So. I was actually watching a scene from Age of Extinction. I like the scene where Bone becomes up and look is looking at Stinger. Yeah. And it's just like ugh, the way how angry he is that they're trying to like replace him, make a newer and improved Bumblebee. Right. And I just love the audio clips that they use where he's just like, you know, I'm not mad. I'm not touching. I'm barely touching. He's like has his hands right on him and like just throws him on the ground. Oh, it's freaking <laughs> hilarious. No, there's, there's good. There's good humor all throughout it. So. I don't think those movies are necessarily bad. I think they get more hate than they deserve. Um, but yes, obviously, the original trilogy is what we're really rating. So at number three, I have Revenge of the Fallen. Okay. And this was a hard one because I really, really loved Revenge of the Fallen growing up. And again, talk about a movie that got way more hate than it needed to. I thought it was really, really well done. Really loved following the whole story arc. I absolutely loved... The scene in early on where Optimus is taking on three Decepticons while trying to save Sam. And it's not like we're talking like the big 
Decept- like it's not just like a little minion. No, it's, it's Megatron, Megatron Starscream, Starscream, Blackout. I yeah, believe I it was Blackout. blackout. No, no, is it Blackout? Yeah, I think it's Blackout. And it was like just not just it's a close battle, like dominating completely. And the only reason he loses is because Sam distracts him. And I think that on that right there is probably one of my favorite Optimus Prime Transformer scenes, but I have to put it third. And I'll tell you why. Nostalgia kicks in with my second one. My second one is Transformers 1. And the reason nostalgia kicks in for this one is it was just it was the first time we saw live action Transformers. I remember being a kid. I remember seeing this in theaters. And also, I was around the age where you started to like girls. (laughs) And Megan Fox just makes this movie for young boys. I don't like young boys. This, this is the well, young boys at that time, right? I mean, well, I can't, well, I, I wasn't actually. I don't think I was going over Mega Fox when I first watched it. Really? No, but then uh, again, I'm kind of a late bloomer, I guess. Late bloomer, maybe. <laughs> but I have to say, like, I was like, oh, that it started. Camaro. It started. It started the crush on Megan Fox because of that movie, and I just think, I just think everything from the, from the backstory of, of. You know, Sam building out that whole, building out that whole story arc. It just, the movie comes together really, really, really nicely. And I feel like it pays off nicely in the end mm-hmm. too. Bumblebee was a really good wingman. Bumblebee was a really good wingman. <laughs> Extremely good r- wingman. Like one of the best. And then the whole Bumblebee upgrade. Yeah. Like I just, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really well done. And the discovery, I, I think the army scenes were really cool too. Yep. I thought those aged really well also. And, just in general, I think the battle scenes, the dialogue, oh, the Optimus Prime motivational speech in that one too. It's mm-hmm. just, it's it's good. It's all around good. But obviously, at number one, I also have Dark of the Moon. It's good. It's it's probably the first time, or one of the first times, where a third movie in a trilogy just out outshone the rest. No way home. True true um but i i i i think you covered a lot of it it's almost perfect in i also really way. like that link uh, i i can never pronounce it right but it's like iridescent or something like that iridescent the lincoln park song for that movie they play it like in the middle and at the end oh it's well, like kind of it's more sad it. and like smooth but then it gets like builds and gets really uplifting it's, oh okay we'll have to I'll have to. Uh, they play it like okay. right when like the Autobots like go out into space and the ship explodes and they right. think everyone's dead and then they're just like oh we're all alone and we have to fight the Decepticons. Well, I remember the roller coaster of of, of emotions oh, yeah. that I felt in that one, and it all started. It all started when Ironhide gets murdered by Sentinel Prime, mm-hmm. and I just remember the shock watching that in theaters, like watching that go down and just your jaw just hitting the floor. It's such a violent way. He's like, it's like it was rusted such a and like bad way. Like oh. whatever he, whatever. And it, you see him like struggling. It's it's just it was so sad in that moment. And and then you think all hope is lost, and you just get that that feel like the hope again. When they come back. Oh, oh yeah. And oh. The, the battle where Optimus flies in. Second favorite battle of all time, by the way, where Optimus flies in and just saves all the Autobots using his flight gear after oh, he yeah. gets out of the 
skyscraper that fell and got tangled in. <laughs> um, and then the final, the final scene payoff, like guy gets his arm ripped off and is still just yeah. absolutely going through it. I was just going to say, I also love the scene with uh, when Sam tries to rescue Carly. Yep. And he breaks into Dylan's um, apartment. Penthouse. Yeah, penthouse apartment or whatever. And then they decides to... I remember, I just like the line where he's just like, wow, kid, you got balls. Because I always thought of Sam as like, just some like... I don't know. Wimpy kid that yeah. was in the right place at the right exactly. time kind of thing. And yeah. then they decide to just jump out the window. It's like, holy crap, this like just jump off a freaking skyscraper yeah. building. And then, or I think it was, yeah, just Sam. And then he rises up showing that Bumblebee was the one piloting the yep. spacecraft. Yeah. Also, I was like, just like, can you fly this? Bumblebee just like, what does, what does this mean? <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was all good. It was, it was all good. So I really like that one. And that kind of, it, it, it ties it, ties it all together. But yes, that was probably one of the first times where I enjoyed the third movie over all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. I don't think there's a wrong way to rate your top three in no, this. No, because it's all personal to you and it's objective. And it's all good. Yeah. And it's all good. It all has its moments. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Oh, oh there's more to talk about. <laughs> We're done the trailers. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the big things that happened this week was Sony Pictures made a deal with Legendary to now distribute like their movies in theaters. So Legendary... Crazy. They're the people that made like uh, the new Godzilla and King Kong movies, um, Dune. Um, they produced a lot of the DC films as well. Um, so they're now made a deal with Sony to now th- their films will go through Sony's big distributor. Because like, so how production companies work? Like for people that never heard of Legendary before, you usually see their logo is like that, like circle with like the yep. rings around it. They are a production company, but they don't have like a huge budget or not budget they don't have the reach like the other big five they don't have studios the dis- distribution, distribution capabilities exactly. right yeah. yeah so like they have to go to you in this case they were with warner brothers but they got shafted by warner brothers uh when warner brothers decided to release all their films on hbo max right and they're just like hey we make a lot of the money from the box office now that that's gone and they didn't even consult warner brothers just like yeah just throw it on there. Didn't even consult. And like Legendary took action. There's a lawsuit. And basically it ended with Warner Brothers paying a check to Legendary. <laughs> totally fair. And then after that, they just got burned. So like they, uh, they didn't blame them to go to other studios. And Shop they around. went Sony because guess what? Sony doesn't have a streaming platform. Boom. Is the only, I think it's the only one because we got Disney. They got Disney Plus. Um, Paramount's got Paramount Plus. Universal's got Peacock. Um... Oh, what am I missing? Warner Brothers has got HBO Max. And then, yeah, Sony. Sony just has a deal right now with Netflix where their films, when they're done their theatrical and initial home releases, they go uh, their streaming home will be in Netflix. So do you think Sony will now do a streaming I, platform? I or can't you, say never, but I don't think just so. doesn't look likely in the near future. Because like I remember when they're when they're at CinemaCon, they made a huge I mean, at CinemaCon, all the studios are sucking up to the movie theater owners because at CinemaCon is like where all the theater owners go to and it's like the huge convention and all the movie studios come and like present like their upcoming slate of movies that they're going to put in theaters. All the other, everyone like sucks up to movie theaters, but Sony is like the only real one that's like, it felt genuine because they don't have a streaming platform to throw stuff online to. Um, so this is a good move. So yeah. Sony didn't just negotiate a deal with Legendary where they distribute their products. They just all out bought Legendary. No, 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 no. Like they, they made a deal. Oh, they made a deal. Yeah. Okay. So they didn't okay. buy them. 
because I think Dune is still going to be released through Warner Brothers because I think they still have like under. I think it's kind of like more like a first look deal. I don't know the exact terminology, but like whatever movies that Legendary wants to put out, Sony's going to be the distrib- main distributor on that. Gotcha. Okay. No, no that's, that's that's pretty big news and obviously good for Legendary because like Legendary no was with Warner Brothers for like a long time. Yeah. As far as we can remember. Yeah. As far as we can remember. Interesting news. Next. Uh, Glass Onion came out last week. Glass Onion. Yeah. Are you familiar? Nope. Have you seen Knives Out? Daniel Craig? I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. So it's a murder mystery. Um, It was originally done... Who was the original distributor of Knives Out? Now I've got to look it up. Let's go. Straight to Google. You can't hold all of that information in your brain. I know. I'm going to guess 20th century, but I could be wrong. Shrimp, glass, onion. I don't want that. I want the original knives out. Oh, is Lionsgate. Lionsgate. Okay. That's another one. Lionsgate also doesn't have a streaming service. But anyway, so it's distributed by Lionsgate. And Netflix bought the rights for the sequel to Knives Out 2 and 3 for like around $400 million. Wow. Just to buy the rights. So, wow. Okay. 400 million. Then they have to make the movie. They must be really <laughs> confident. Yeah. So what their, their main plan was, let's put it into theaters for a week. Yep. Um, a limited release. I think it was under a thousand screens and just United States and Canada. Um, and then generate excitement and word of mouth. So when it gets released on Netflix, a lot of people will watch it because usually, um, movies do perform better on streaming if they're released in theaters. Okay. That being said, I can't help but feel that Netflix is like leaving money on the table because like it costs so much to buy and produce these movies and guess how much they make on streaming? Nothing. Well, to a degree. Yeah, right? I know, but like, like they feel like they're bringing users, but I, I totally know what you mean. It's very, like it's going to be very hard to track the ROI. Like, like I mean, the only way you can track is if like someone signs up for Netflix, just watches Glass Onion immediately and then cancels after a month. Yeah, but does that really help you? Because they're canceling their yeah. subscription right or now. Or like, that's still, I guess, but so then you get like whatever it is, 14 bucks. Whereas if, and that's going to be like a whole family. So you're, you're, telling, you're of, telling me that, uh, did Glass Onions release in theaters then or it's just released on Netflix? It was just released in theaters a week, last yep. week. So it's done now. And it made, it was like the second highest. Uh, and it's supposed to be a sequel to Knives Out? Yes, okay. it did very well for the screens that have put it in. Extremely well. What are we talking? Box office numbers. Well, okay. <sighs> what did Knives Out? Convert- also, what did Knives Out do at the box office? Three hundred twelve million. That's it. That's pretty good on a forty million dollar budget. Oh, it's forty million dollar. Yeah. Budget. Okay. okay. We're, we're not, when you hear three hundred or three hundred twelve million for like a blockbuster, no. When you're talking about like, uh, yeah. So they t- they t- they ten x more or less. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm curious what makes Netflix buy it for four hundred million dollars. I, I don't know. They want content. The thing is, like, I don't understand because like the theaters cause it did so well in the theaters. Like Netflix, come on, give us like an extended theatrical run of Glass Onion because it was doing so well. Mm-hmm. Netflix is like, no. It's just like you you make more money. Yeah. In theaters, I just they they they're, they're so they Netflix l- just said they want to like just focus on streaming. They don't want to do theaters. They just wanted to do that to generate word of mouth, which so I'm like silly. I don't understand why not. You can have both. You can make put your movies in theaters, make hundreds of millions of dollars, and then put it on Netflix 
and you get the exact same amount of money. You still you own the rights. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. And then it's on streaming in perpetuity. Exactly. Interesting. So you get both. Well, this is not like, this not is not either a, or. this is not a stock show by any means, but the confidence in Netflix decision making. I don't know. They've been doing that forever. It's like this, like they've been like doing like releasing like movies in theaters like the week before. Like I think Gray Man they did it with. I can't and believe they can just release it for one. But like week, they don't though. do any marketing. The the main thing is they don't want to do that because they don't want to spend the marketing budget. So they think that they make more by not spending a marketing budget, which is ridiculous. Them releasing it, and that's so strange. So okay, Glass Onion then only released for a whole like a week. Netflix yep. had they did they did mark I think. I was like between one and four million. I think it was one or four million was their entire marketing budget. Okay. That's really small. Very, very small. I mean, I remember seeing a trailer. Actually, you know what trailer I did see? I watched a trailer while I was watching another movie. So I was in theaters and I saw a trailer for Glass Onion. Now that I remember, it's it's ringing a bell now. Um, It was a very good movie, by the way. It was a good movie. Okay. (laughs) It was honestly, I, I... I couldn't, can't decide like if I like it more than the first one. It's very good. Okay. It's stacked cast. Everyone brings their A game. So many twists and turns. It is outstanding. Like the, the screenwriting and just development of this thing. Oh my God. The amount of work Ryan Johnson puts in for this or put into the screenplay. Ryan Johnson. Interesting. Yeah. A guy, a, a director who has gotten a lot of hate in recent years. I know, but man, Knives Out and Glass Onion, he kills it. Maybe Star Wars The Last Jedi should have been a murder mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah. Did he do them both? Yeah, both Knives he Out did. and Glass Onion, yeah. Okay. And he's already writing, a, starting writing a third one. I will have to do a, uh, uh, I guess, a, a marathon where I watch both of those then. Or back-to-back? Yeah, I watched, because I watched Murder Mystery like with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. I was like, eh. Nothing like that. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> I figured. But it just like kind of turns you off Murder Mysteries yeah. for a little Like, bit. I mean, the first one, it's great. Yeah, of course, Daniel Craig's the only like actor that's like in all of them because he's like the detective. Yep. Um, but like the first one's got Chris Evans, Michael Shannon, Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, Christopher Plummer. Mm-hmm. Huge cast. Second one. Edward Norton, Dave Bautista, um, Catherine Hahn. It's like, I mean, it is incredible. Stacked to the max. Well, that's a glowing review you gave Glass Onion. Hopefully they did okay at the box office for one week before Netflix put it on streaming. Yeah. (laughs) This missed opportunity. I I don't understand. You can have both. It's not like an either or. And you don't need to... You don't need to keep it in long, like uh, Usually Avengers you, or something like that. But most I mean, you know, movies, three to four weeks, do make most of the money in the first week yeah. or two. But still, like, I mean, at yeah. least I think the theatrical day window right now is forty-five days. It used to be ninety days before the pandemic, but yeah. now it's forty-five, which wow. I think is really short. That's like it's because like a movie comes out in theaters, and then like oh, I'll I'll watch it eventually. And then you're like, oh, it's already on streaming. Like a month later. Interesting. 45. Yeah, you're right. That was, I remember, I remember how long we had to wait for movies like Harry Potter to go on 90 days on DVD. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. 90 days. And now it's 45. You're right, Our Top is. Gun got a Tom Cruise push for Top Gun to get a, a, a full theatrical. I think it was 90 or 70 days, but like it got, it was there for a long time. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, plus when you see the money that's being made, you're going to want to keep it in theaters. That was Paramount. That was Paramount's. Phenomenal were not fools in that situation. No. They they played it right. Like, I mean, if a movie doesn't do well in theaters, I mean, sure, 45 days, my eyes will throw it on streaming. Um, but like, when if a movie does really well and it's got really good legs, 
keep it in theaters because might as well just keep making more money. Yeah. Top Gun did it phenomenally, though. Yeah. I have a feeling with Avatar, it's probably going to be the same way. Probably not going to see Avatar pop on Disney Plus 45 days after. Oh, hell not a chance. I can't see I can't see Avatar being in theaters for less than like 60 days. Yeah. I can't. Agreed. I can't see I agree. It. Agreed. Also, side note to Avatar, just was thinking of this. I go to Disney World mid-February. Yeah. The lineups are already really bad for the Pandora ride. <laughs> I'm luck. going... Good luck. Like, literally two months after it releases, the new Avatar releases in theaters. I'm... Let's just call it what it is. It's... I'm toast. I'm going to well, be standing this in line forever. Instead of Avatar, you could go to the... Um, Rise of Resistance and Web Slingers instead, because nobody will well, be I was on gonna those go to the, I was going to go to those regardless, but the thing is... I know, is, but like... You got to do like... I was looking into I know, it, but they're got, also like really hard to get into like originally. Not anymore. Well, Rise now, of Resistance is but, not, that, not that bad, because I've been looking at the times and everything, and you have to stay in one te- theme park the whole time. That's the thing. So Avatar is, contrary to what you would think, is not in Hollywood Studios. It's in Animal Kingdom. Okay. Which Maybe is Maybe a theme-wise that fits better? Well, because they actually built... Uh, Pandora to a degree like you can walk through Pandora at night with like the glowing so we'll check it out and everything but anyways side note I'm just saying lineups are going to be bonkers because all the hype of Avatar you're going in February are you by any chance on they go on there the same day in the Super Bowl I'm gone Super Bowl weekend oh that'd be okay dude Super Bowl is huge in the states go Disney Disney World on Super Bowl weekend no one will be there you're not wrong. If I go on Super Bowl Sunday, I could get into Pandora. I would. That's that's a good. That's a good idea. I would do it. So Animal Super Bowl. Kingdom, if there's any Animal day, Animal Kingdom on Super Bowl Sunday, out of the entire year to go. I mean, I want to watch the Super Bowl too, but at the same time, like, what would you rather I, do? I'd rather. Yeah, I'd rather watch. Yeah, I'd rather watch or go on the on Pandora the ride. It's yeah. a great point. What would you rather do if you're watching right now? Would you rather watch the Super Bowl? Or would you rather go on a day that's probably going to be less busy to the Pandora ride at Disney World? Let's hear it. Um, Mitchell, in other news, you will, be, you will be very happy to know that I watched Back to the Future this week. Good job. You have to watch two and three. I do have to watch two and three now. But I watched one. I have to say, for a 1980s movie... This aged really, really, really well, and I fully understand why it's in your top five uh, that we did a rating. If you have not listened to that podcast, go back and listen to that podcast. Um, yeah, really, really phenomenal. I thought, like you mentioned in that episode, the the foreshadowing and the little breadcrumbs that were dropped all throughout, absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Um, even the special effects were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It didn't get remastered or anything, hey? Nope. That's just all original? Just, just the only thing that got remastered, I guess, would be the four, the film transfer to 4K. No, that was honestly, yeah, aged really well. Only thing that was kind of a little bit like, ah, oh, that's cheesy, was George, Marty's dad's acting, I thought was a little overboard with the nerdy side as an adult and, and Biff. Just the dynamic between the two of them. At the same time, it fits because it kind of shows that they never grew up, both of them, mm-hmm. out of their high school relationship. So that would be the only thing I, I I would possibly critique. But other than that, I mean, I genuinely thought that was a 
phenomenal movie. So I will say, was kind of worried going into a movie that was made in the 80s, but overall, gave it a really good. Ra- I would give it a really good rating. Mm-hmm. Did you know? Did I tell you about like they cast Mar- uh, Michael J. Fox like several weeks into filming? Really? Okay, so anyone that's back to the future fun facts knows this but like for those that don't know uh they were robert zemeckis and bob gale originally wanted michael j fox play marty mcfly however he was on a tv show at the time called family ties so he wasn't able to film back to the future so they got eric schultz to play marty mcfly instead and they filmed for like several weeks i forget the exact number but several weeks of filming with a different actor, and they're looking at the dailies back to the studio, and they're like, this isn't hitting the way we want it to. Like, the, I think it's like the, the jokes weren't landing the way that they envisioned. And it's just not that like, he wasn't a bad actor. It was just, it wasn't the tone and vibe that they're going for. And then it, I think by then it was, I think the summer, and Michael J's Fox scheduled to open up a little bit more. So there's like, hey, Michael, come in, do a test. And then they unfortunately had to fire Eric Schultz and reshot everything with Michael J. Fox. Wow. But I mean, in the end, it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe is the reason why it is. It, it kind of begs the question though, what makes a movie so historic and legendary like that? Like did the directors have any nope. previous experience? Oh, well, uh, did they do any work that was considered really good at the time? The only thing like when I think of Robert Zemeckis, I always think of like he he does like other big movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit and like Flight and stuff like that he did but like were they before or they're after? after I can't think of anything off the top so of my head so was Back to the Future kind of the kickoff for him I'm gonna look up <laughs> <laughs> something I don't know off the top of my head uh, big surprise I know <laughs> well Mitchell is like an encyclopedia for movies stand by Romancing the Stone he did that with Michael Douglas familiar with that one not at all okay so he directed three movies he and he wrote 1941 which steven spielberg directed i did see that one those were all before back to the future back to the future so he he had some reputation mm-hmm. ba- but back, not to the degree like of i remember the kickoff from christopher that. lloyd who plays doc brown when he said this reading the script they didn't know it was just another movie did not think it was gonna be the cultural phenomenon it turned out yep. to be like who would but yeah. So it's it's interesting cuz that director kind of has a similar career almost then to someone like Christopher Nolan. Directed a few really good movies in the you know mm-hmm. early 2000s. Nobody really knows much about them, but then boom, pops on the scene with Batman Begins. Does okay. Really pops with The Dark Knight. Yeah. Obviously everyone knows Christopher Nolan now and he's got the reputation. But it, it just like I said it begs the question what makes a blockbuster, like an all-time blockbuster that we're still talking about almost 40 years mm-hmm. later. But I mean, like, now that I'm, like, flipping through, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. How can these not remember this off the top of my head? But they're all after Back to the Future, like Forrest Gump, he directed, Cast Away, Polar Express. But it begs the question now again, if any of the movies he did before that flop, would those ones have become big blockbuster hits on their own? It, it, it almost, like, it's that same argument with music, right? I mean... A regular song that's sung by somebody that nobody knows, is it as good as if, I don't know, Elton John or the Beatles or modern times Drake sings it, right? I would, I would, I would say, I think also it's a product of the audience of the time. Cause like, 
for example, like directors and movie stars like today, I feel isn't as big as a presence as it was back then. Like I remember when that Scarlett Johansson movie, Lucy came out that flopped at the box office. I loved Lucy, but still no one wanted to see it. I remember watching it in theaters. It was really good. So like Scarlett Johansson was like the biggest movie star on the planet. It's true. And no one to go see it. So like, you don't really see like even if you have a big main star in your movie, doesn't you're not guaranteed a box office success. Like if your movie's no, and if your movie's terrible, like way back in the '90s, and you have a big name actor, you're guaranteed like oh we're gonna probably do decent. No, and that's and that's the thing. And I don't even mean necessarily from the actor perspective, but the story. It's like can could Back to the Future have been directed by somebody else and still been as good as it was just due to the writing and the story? Well, Robert Zemeckis co-wrote the script, so... Okay, okay. <laughs> also helps when you're writing and directing. It's true, because then you get the vision of... Mm-hmm. How many movies now nowadays are actually written and or co-written and directed by the same person? Quentin Tarantino writes and directs his movies. Um, Does Nolan... Sometimes, maybe I don't know. Well, let me look that one up while you, you do. While you think. while you uh, say a few more. Um, man, off the top, I always think Quentin Tarantino for writer director. Oh, Ben Affleck, I think does writing and directing. Now I want to fact check it because now I'm just worried. But I'm pretty sure. I swear to God, Ben Affleck does that. Um, Christopher Nolan, Quentin does. Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay, yeah. Woody Allen. That makes sense. Charlie Kaufman. Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. Joel Cohen, Billy Wilder, Ethan Cohen, M. Night Shyamalan, of course. So, James Gunn, duh. One thing, of course, yeah. <laughs> one thing that's common on this list, though, is obviously some of the best movies and some of the best directors are on that list. Mm-hmm. So, it kind of goes back to, like I said, and like you said, the the vision has to be executed in the way that it was envisioned in the person whose mind it was written. And I think that's part of what makes movies like back to the future ageless. Taiko T is another one that's popped in my mind. Oh, there you go. Have you seen Jojo rabbit yet? No, oh, it is so good. I like, I recently just watched it cause I was reading at the screenplay cause I've, you know, just decided to read the screenplay <laughs> and then watch the movie after. Just decided to read. I don't think I've ever read a screenplay in my I life. I read, I read, because I was doing a screenwriting course, that's why. So, like, oh. I recommended to do Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Yep. Jojo Rabbit and Arrival were the three recommended screenplays. Interesting. Yeah. So, kind of It's a wide range. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Very cool. Well, the, the, I don't know, completely diverged off tangent, but the screenplays for Into the Spider-Verse and Jojo Rabbit... We're very close. Like, I think only noticed like two lines were different from the actual movie, but a rival screenplay, it was like, there's so many different scenes that were cutted and edited out in the final version of the film. And I think, really, I think maybe that was maybe because it's a different writer than director, maybe, but also Spider-Man to Spider-Verse was like that too, because Phil Lord wrote the script and had like three different directors, but maybe because it was animated, everything had to be like perfectly like already set out and structured and before maybe i don't know i never did an animated movie before so i don't know but it makes sense though taika Waititi's script would be close to his final product because he's the writer and director fair enough arrival i was recently having this conversation with some friends at dinner what are your thoughts i liked it if you had to like rate it out of 10 for example (sighs) 
Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know. I don't have very good at giving scores. Um, I thought it was kind of bland. To I be like, honest. I just the only there thing some is parts I, I didn't liked, believe but... in the ending. Just because. Like, Thank you. My philosophy is like. Thank you. I don't believe in predeterminism. <laughs> so like, if like something happens in the future, like time travel predeterminism stuff, like where it's like. If something happens, you go into the, if you know your knowledge of the future, you should be able to change it. Like the universe isn't going to make it so it's like all wrapped up a nice one little perfect bundle. It's going to yeah. be like humans are chaotic creatures. <laughs> we will absolutely destroy the timeline by accident. Yeah. <laughs> just by knowing, even if we knew something in the future, probably would like completely derail it from even happening. I just thought it was a, I don't know. I just thought it was a weird way to end it. It, it, it just, I remember. I've only seen it once, but I do remember just feeling like, eh, I don't know. That's why I really like the Ninja Turtles movie because it like totally tackles that whole predeterminism kind of time travel concept. And I don't want to rant about that because we're gonna if I start ranting oh about gosh, that, it's going to be an hour songs. long. Yeah, but anyway, so I'm going to go into it right now. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, I think uh, I think that's a good spot to wrap. We yep. we we covered a lot of cool things. Oh. Uh, Releasing this week, Violent Night. Yeah, Violent Night came out. Don't really know much about it. So David Harbour's in it. Prince has been getting pretty good reviews. Yeah, that's Have you seen Stranger the, Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, um, what's, his, what's his name again? David Harbour Things. Jim Hopper. Hopper. That's the one. Yeah, Hopper Harper. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting reviews so far. You said. Yeah, apparently it's been good. Okay. Say it's like Die Hard meets Home Alone. Die Hard meets Home Alone. That's what they say. We might just have to go look at this. I know. And I'm kind of curious. I was like saying that. I'm like, I don't know if we really need like a Santa killing people, but actually I didn't even see, I don't think I've actually seen the trailer. I like the name. I I feel like the the name is really, the name name. is really creative. But yeah, I might have to go see it. Also this week, a trailer dropped for, I think it's called the mean one, but it's like a Grinch parody horror movie of the Grinch, like murdering people. Oh, I'm not a big horror movie guy. <laughs> it's a I think pretty I, low I think budget I've, movie. I think I count. I can count on my hand how many horror movies I've seen. I just can like I can't. Do I'll that. give you a list of ones to watch. No, that's okay. That's okay. For a just a genre. Special. A genre. I don't really. Uh, I don't really dip phone. my toes in. <laughs> that one came out this week or not this year. Sorry, it's very good. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Back <laughs> to the Scene. Getting derailed. <laughs> uh, we're gonna wrap there. Yep. Have a great rest of your day, whatever you're doing, or night, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. And that is a wrap on this episode of Back to the Scene. Thanks for listening. It would mean the world to us if you left us a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you're listening. And if you guys want to reach out for anything, whether it's questions or ideas for the show, please make sure to hit us up. We'll have the email and all our socials in the description of this podcast.